ChatGPT, developed by OpenAI, is an AI language model capable of generating text, providing answers to questions, and even producing code. Its use in academia raises questions about responsible usage and academic integrity. My name is Leo Cohen, and on this week's episode of the Whitman Wire podcast, I interview Professor of Computer Science Janet Davis to discuss ChatGPT's role in academia and the ethical implications of its use. This is Janet Davis. I'm chair of the computer science department. Uh, I'm founding chair of the computer science department. My colleague, John Stratton, and I, uh, along with Andy Exley, who's no longer here, we wrote the computer science department's academic integrity policy a few years ago. (laughs) And we're talking about revising that. Um, This semester, I'm teaching two upper-level classes, uh, software design and algorithm design and analysis. Last semester, I taught one upper level class, but I also taught CS 167 introduction to computational problem solving, mm-hmm. as well as uh, CS 220 discrete math and functional programming. So of course, I teach across all different class levels, right. some classes that are more programming, some classes that are less programming, some classes that are more introductory, some that are more advanced. Gotcha. How familiar are you with AI and chat GPT? And how many or what kind of recent experiences? That's a yeah, it? that's a good question. So I'm 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 not an AI researcher. I don't consider mm-hmm. myself an expert on AI, but I've played with ChatGPT yeah. a fair amount, you know, partly out of curiosity for myself and partly out of like trying to understand how, like, if you pose it a standard homework problem, well, how mm-hmm. does ChatGPT solve this homework problem or this, this take-home quiz or yeah. what have you? So I think, I feel like I have, like, somewhat of an understanding of how it works, but it's not a very deep understanding. Right. And I don't know everything it can do, but I've seen a little bit of what it can do. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Has it been brought up in class yet? I mean, oh, well, so far I've been the one to bring it yeah. up in class. Chat GPT, I think, was released to the public last November. Yeah. So I didn't, I was starting to get curious about it at the end of last semester. And I ended up like having this crazy idea for the last day of discrete math. I said, hey, chat GPT, write me a final exam for discrete math. Oh, wow. And that was not the final exam I gave my students. (laughs) I took it into class on the last day and said, hey, we could do this thing that I had planned before, or we could look at this final exam generated by chat GPT. And of course, the students said, let's look at this final exam. And we ended up tearing it apart. It was actually really fun because we could kind of pick a part, okay, these are the bad questions because they're just factually incorrect. Or these are the bad questions because chat GPT is hallucinating. It made up a technical term that doesn't even exist. And then, okay, here, here are, you know, the, the better questions because like, this is a question we can actually answer and there's something interesting about it. And then there's also some questions that were like, uh, just kind of so vague and abstract. They weren't really interesting. Like they weren't terrible questions, but they weren't great questions either. But it was really interesting to kind of look over the questions and be like, mm-hmm. okay, oh yeah, this is no this this question would definitely not be on a final. Be- yeah. un- like unless you made a mistake because it's factually incorrect. Mm-hmm. Hmm, this is a question that you might actually see on the final. That's actually an interesting question. Right. How, I mean, some of the ones that are more interesting mm-hmm. questions, like how far off 
were they from being like uh, I mean, basketball? I didn't end up asking any of the questions, mm. but some of them were like on a different style of exam, it would be fine. So the style, I didn't say, I didn't tell chat GPT what style of exam to write. Mm-hmm. And so it gave uh, a bunch of short answer questions and then some multiple choice questions. And the multiple choice questions were interesting to talk about, but I wouldn't actually put them on my exam. Gotcha. And I, I also like problems better than short answer questions. Right. Right. So I guess what was maybe missing from its generated exam was there weren't really any problems gotcha. per se. Okay. Um, in terms of like a student answering a question, mm-hmm. is generating code through ChatGPT that's hypothetically workable for uh-huh. academic dishonesty? That's a really big question. Uh, and I'm not, I think it's something that not all computer science professors would agree on. Mm-hmm. And even I might have different policies in different classes. Wow. Uh, possibly. So I said right now I'm teaching only upper level classes. Mm-hmm. So in my software design class, I gave a couple of take-home quizzes where I actually invited students, you know, hey, try running this problem through ChatGPT and sure. see what it tells you. Right. Just make sure that in your answer you disclose that you use ChatGPT and tell me what you got out of it. Yeah. And I felt comfortable doing that in part because software design is an upper-level class that focuses somewhat on developing professional skills mm-hmm. and being able to learn new things using all the tools that are out there and all the tools that are out there that right. now includes chat GPT. Right. Another reason I felt comfortable doing that is that I knew that the problem was interesting enough that chat GPT didn't give a complete answer. Yeah. And so I knew there was still going to be some work <laughs> for the student to do to kind of interpret what chat GPT suggested and then flesh it out. Gotcha. I'm not teaching CS 167 this semester. And there, there are some bigger questions yeah. about what exactly, I, I actually think it's going to be kind of a crisis of faith in the computer science education community. I think we're going to have to work harder at articulating the learning outcomes Mm -hmm. for an introductory computer science course and what are the things that we really want to know students can do by themselves. And maybe those are things that we, you know, test on an in-class quiz for example, what are the things where it actually might make sense to look at chat GPT as kind of a collaborator? Over the spring break, I was at uh, the 60 annual technical symposium on computer science education. It was in Toronto. I haven't been wow. since 2019. So it was, it was great to go and see old friends awesome. who I haven't seen in about four years. One of the last papers I saw was about chat GPT and specifically about putting introductory programming problems into chat GPT. So it turned out about 50% of the problems they put in chat GPT solved right off the bat, just based on the given prompt. Mm -hmm. Another 30% it was able to solve with some prompt engineering. So Mm -hmm. adding some more information to the prompt to kind of guide it towards a correct solution. And then about 20% of the problems it just couldn't solve correctly at all. And I think what's really interesting in a way is that 30% of problems in the middle, because what, what they, the prompt engineering that they had to do was to take the problem statement and either give an algorithm in English for solving the problem, mm-hmm. so kind of a high-level set of instructions for solving the okay. problem, and then ChatGPT was able to translate that into code, or mm-hmm. to provide more detailed requirements about what a given certain inputs to the problem, what do correct outputs look like? 
Right. And what's interesting to me then about kind of those 30% is that what the students are doing is actually a really useful skill all by itself mm -hmm. to be able to take a problem and articulate clearer requirements or take a problem and articulate an algorithm in English. That is a separate skill of its own that we've typically looked at as a prerequisite to writing code. But if given that stuff, ChatGPT can write the code for you, that suggests mm -hmm. that maybe that's actually the more important skill than actually writing the code. Gotcha. And they're, val they're definitely valuable skills for computer science students to learn. And in fact, skills that we sometimes have a hard time persuading students to focus on because mm -hmm. they really just want to get into writing the code. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm not sure the name of it, but I know there's newer, more refined versions of similar chat box AI. There is a bunch out. of them out there now. I heard one the other day could essentially like solve bar questions from the bar and possibly pass it. I, I just, but I guess if the saying, information can be found on the yeah. public web, I mean, computers are great at like computers are great at memorizing yeah. things. Uh, as long as there's a way to access the information, which these large language mm -hmm. mo models give us. Right. I guess it's kind of like, future, like where do you see like human written versus AI written code kind of going? It's a really, a, yeah. you see opinions, you see opinions all over the place. I read a Medium article not too long ago, like arguing that like 10 years from now, 99% of programming jobs will be gone. I'm pretty skeptical about that mm -hmm. for at least three reasons. One is that even if ChatGPT can generate the code, someone has to figure out if it's right or not. I mean, yeah. and then on top of that is kind of those 20% of CS1 problems that ChatGPT couldn't solve. Sure. It's good, it seems to be good at synthesizing, synthesizing code that appears on the web already. So maybe it's good at solving kind of problems we pretty under, understand pretty well already how to solve, mm -hmm. and maybe not so good at understanding and solving less common problems. Because right. it's really just following, it's, it's like kind of piecing together all the examples it can find on the web, right? Mm -hmm. And then, okay, so I think we still need human beings to know it's correct. I think there's always going to be tricky bits that have to be solved by human beings. Mm -hmm. And then this is a little less well formulated, but maybe kind of related. I'm thinking about like designing big systems that do something new. I'm thinking about the kinds of ideas in my software design class. How do we build a system that is robust and maintainable and mm -hmm. extensible and nobody's ever built a system quite like this before right. so there's not really any examples to follow gotcha. i think there's always going to be creative work there for human beings mm -hmm. what chat what you know chat gpt and its relatives might replace are you know the kind the, like you have you ever heard the term code monkey so it's kind of the idea, so code monkey is someone who writes code that's like really boring and repetitive uh -huh. and kind of like, it's exactly like code you can find in any other project. Like that kind of code maybe is, is helpful for chat GPT to generate. Okay. And then we still need to make sure it's doing the right thing. I think debugging is always going to be the domain of human beings. Mm -hmm. Do you see types of regulation on the horizon line with 
I mean, just regulating what it can and cannot do? Oh, that's a really interesting question. And now, I mean, I don't think, you know, setting this Medium article aside that said that 99% of programming jobs are going to be gone. I don't, Mm. I don't think you can have, I don't think you can have a computer program generating software without human supervision. Right. Especially not if that software is going to be handling any life or death or private information, we need a higher standard of correctness. Mm-hmm. I, in general, I mean, beyond that, I don't think we can have AI systems making decisions without human supervision. Yeah. Um, I think there are going to be some standards for explainability mm-hmm. when AI systems are used to inform human decisions. You you, you kind of got to understand what, what does that recommendation really mean? Where is that recommendation coming from? And part of the reason why is that AI, AI systems systems that are trained on data created by humans uh, mm-hmm. replicate, reproduce human biases. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some things that come to mind are like, you know, loan recommendation systems, reproducing redlining. If you're black, you can only buy real estate in certain areas mm-hmm. just because of like past patterns wow. of loans being approved or disapproved wow. without, without explicitly programming that into the system. Right. What are a few types of uh, good you see in AI written code? I know mm-hmm. we've talked about a few, but is there anything that catches your eye specifically? What was the question again? Like, so, what are some like good things with like AI written code? Like, if there's oh. questions that are not unsolvable right now, yeah. but are just very just difficult to solve, <laughs> I, actually, I guess. <laughs> I actually think AI is good for uh, writing routine code. Yeah. Or code where you're like, okay, I know humanity as a whole knows how to solve this problem. And there are probably dozens of solutions on the web. Yeah. Can you please give me one solution? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Gotcha. That's about it. Is there anything else you want to share? Like about this, I mean, chat, like the chat GPT, like the future? The future. Sure. (laughs) I mean, I I, I don't know what the future is going to bring. I hesitate to make predictions. I think since you asked me in the context of computer science, mm-hmm. what I'm what I'm hopeful about, generations of tools in computing have kind of raised the level of abstraction that we think about mm-hmm. and we think at. So it used to be you had to like fill out punch cards with zeros and ones. Yeah. And then and then we invented assembly languages mm-hmm. that, that could be translated into those zeros and ones. And then we invented programming languages that could be compiled into machine language, which can be translated into zeros and ones. And then uh, we're starting to see code generation tools that actually like generate, automatically generate code in a high level language. And think we won't be able to solve all problems using natural language programming, but it's kind of exciting to see that idea starting to become real. Thank you so much, Professor. It was awesome. My pleasure. Thank you. ChatGPT is an intriguing technology with the potential to change the way we interact with computers and communicate with each other. As ChatGPT becomes increasingly prevalent in academic settings, it is crucial to contemplate the ethical implications of its use and ensure responsible usage to uphold academic integrity. Professor Davis's insights on ChatGPT's role in academia and the importance of responsible usage, along with her knowledge and experience in computer science, provide valuable perspectives on the topic. We hope this episode of the Whitman Wire podcast has given you some food for thought on the complex intersection between AI 
Wire and Academia. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a product of the Whitman Wire newspaper, publishing Whitman News since 1896. This episode's theme song is Take It Easy by the Wind Up Birds. We'll see you next time. Thank you.